Hey, so last week we kicked off our Philippians series with the look at the Philippian backstory or prequel in Acts 16 and the story of Paul and Timothy and Silas um, meeting people like Lydia and the slave woman and the, the Philippian jailer. So I wanted to give you a little bit of information about the letter itself, right? So this is like a letter that we would write, but not like a letter that, that we would write. Um, we write a letter from one person to another person. This was a letter from multiple people to multiple people. And the letter was written, Paul was in, he was under house arrest. The majority of scholarship thinks he was in Rome. There are those who think maybe he was in Ephesus. Be that as it may, he was not free to go about as he wanted to. So he was dependent upon the help of others. And some of those others were the Philippians who provided financial aid to him. A man by the name of Epaphroditus brought him their, their financial support. So the story that we discussed last week took place around the year 50 AD. This letter was written about 12 years later. And in that intervening time, Paul had gone and visited the Philippians. He left after his initial visit and went back two, maybe three more times to, to interact with them, to check in on them, to do some more teaching and, and some follow-up. And one of the people that we read about in this letter, and I mentioned Epaphroditus, right? He was the one who brought their gift. Um, Epaphroditus is the one who carries the letter that Paul writes from house arrest back to the Philippian church. And the letter, so when we think about writing a letter, we think about we sit down, you know, maybe we have this picture of Paul sitting in a room like by himself at, at his desk, right? That Paul didn't have a desk. He didn't have paper. He didn't have pen. He, uh, he employed somebody called a scribe or a secretary. And most likely what would happen is Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke, while they're you know, moving from town to town, they're talking about these things. Right? And they're saying, oh, remember how this happened in Philippi and this, that. You know, but the, the main gist of what they were talking about and they wanted to, to communicate back to the Philippians was how much they loved them, how much they appreciated them, how much joy they had in the knowledge of their relationship that was centered upon Jesus. Right? So Epaphroditus, they sit down, they, they collect their thoughts, they write this letter, and then it's given to Epaphroditus to bring back to the Philippians. And it, we look at the, the text, and we see it with subheadings, and we see it with chapters, and we see it with all sorts of markings, whatever. It was just, it was one long thing, right? And as I've, as I've been preparing for this, I've just read it several times, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. It's only four chapters long to read it from beginning to end. It, it, if I can read it in like 12 minutes, you guys will read it in like six. Um, to read it through multiple, multiple times and just get the feel for, for Paul's affections for the Philippians and Philippians' affections for, for Paul. I included in this week's sermon notes, there's a link to something called a manuscript. And it's the text of Philippians without headings, without paragraphs, just verse references so you, you can follow along and have a, a point of reference. I would encourage you to use that, to just read through it multiple, multiple times. When Epaphroditus delivered the letter, it is written in such a way to be shared. Right? He read it to the community. 
When we look at some of Paul's other letters, Thessalonians, Colossians, there's notations at the end saying, please read this aloud among everybody. And not only that, but share it with the church at Laodicea and make sure you get their letter that I sent to them so you can hear what I said to them as well. Right? So there was an individual who would show up and he would deliver the letter. He or she would deliver the letter. And so this morning, our friend David is going to deliver the letter of Philippians to us in its entirety from verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, through verse 4, chapter, what does it end with? 12, 13, 14, something. Four chapters. David's got, the, he's going to give, share the whole thing with us. Um, and I'm really excited about this experience for us as a church um, because it's what the early church did. Um, it's something we've never done before as a community. So I'm excited about what God is going to do um, in and through this time. So let's welcome David. Good morning, everyone. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayers with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far greater courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, proclaim Christ out of envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, 
and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue on with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict you saw in me and now here to be in me. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be children of God, Blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you. You too, I urge you. Rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth 
that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. And indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh." If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Not only that, But I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep on living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state 
into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.